0: We are going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper today. And um, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I like to teach on it. And so that we understand what it is. And we teach from the same passage of scripture when we celebrate. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting verse 23. And this is Paul's rendition. And nothing wrong with Matthew, Mark, Luke, all those others, you know, uh, uh, that's all kind of included in Paul's. But I like Paul's rendition because He kind of makes us know what the purpose of it is. And so here's the way for you to remember it. And uh, you might have heard part of it in Ashley's prayer. But um, everybody, take your hands again. You know me with worship aerobics. We got them. Are you ready? (laughs) All right. So one thing he wants us to do, I want you to throw your fingers back. He wants us to look back. All right. All right. So put them back down again. Are you ready now? This gets your circulation going. One, two, three wants us to look what? Back. Back. Okay. He wants us to look forward and he wants us to look in all right and that's really the purpose of the lord's supper okay so one more time in case i call on you elena or i call on you alvin we got it whoever's here you ready to go he wants us to look back he looks to look forward and look in and that's what we're supposed to do with the lord's supper and so let's take a look at this Um, a little uh, context of the previous verses in first corinthians 11 and and even the book of first corinthians uh, First Corinthians is not a great book to get your theological doctrine from and say, oh, the Corinthians did it. Let's do it. You know, that's kind of like finding out, hey, Terry, you just got back from Las Vegas, right? It's like, oh, however they do it in Las Vegas, that's how we do it in America, right? You know, go to the eating buffet. Yeah, no, you don't want to do the rest of it. It, it. That's what the Corinthians. They were kind of like Las Vegas, or at least what I've heard Las Vegas is like. All right, or more like Daytona or wherever. But the Corinthians, it was just a big party city, and um, in, in Corinth, and uh, it was a major, major city in the area. And Christianity was new, so these people had been living in the world and not living just in the world, but they've been living in a Las Vegas world. And they were living there. All of a sudden, they gave their life to Jesus Christ. And they surrendered their life to Christ and said, now we want to follow you. And we want to do things your way. But the problem was the city they lived in wasn't doing things their way. And they had a a challenge. And so Paul writes two letters to them saying, hey, guys, you got to get refocused. Hey, guys, here's a problem. So both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are almost like correction letters to them. And he's correcting him. And in this little area right here, he's correcting him on the Lord's Supper. Because here's what the Lord's Supper turned into. What the Lord's Supper was, was the night before Jesus died, he uh, he was with his disciples and trying to hang out with them. And he was saying, look, man, Passover, when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and God did that mighty work. And we took you into the wilderness and we established the Levitical tabernacle and all, or the te- And then the temple and all these things, they were all a picture of what I'm getting ready to do the next day, which was Jesus dying on the cross. He said, I'm going to replace not the moral law, but I'm going to replace all the ceremonial law, all the ceremonies, all the feasts, all the sacrifice. I'm going to replace all of that by the very thing I do tomorrow. And so tonight I'm going to turn the Passover into a new celebration, a new covenant. And what's going to happen is from now on out, I want you to celebrate and remember and help me out. He says, I want you to look back. back. I want you to look and I want you to look now. Everybody wasn't doing that. okay? come on, man. All right. So help me out with your thumbs, man. Everybody was going to look back, back. look and look in. I just man, I'm telling you, it'll help you remember it. And uh, and uh, yeah, it'll help you remember it. So. Anyways, that's what he said. That's what we're going to be doing with it. But what the Corinthians did is they added a little, you know, buffet party to it. Does that sound like Las Vegas, man? Little buffet party to the whole thing. And they're like, dude, wouldn't it be awesome on the days we're going to celebrate this? In fact, let's celebrate it every Sunday. And on the days we're going to do it, man, let's all bring a feast. Let's have what we call a love feast. And that's really what they called it, a love feast. And it started out good. Hey, those of you with food, bring food. Those of you with paper plates, bring those. Those of you with silverware, those of you with little, you know, uh, chafing trays, bring those. And sterno burners, bring those. Now you guys know I'm being facetious. They didn't have that. But he said, you know, everybody bring what you have. And we're going to have a big love feast together. We're going to celebrate together. And, and our coin and koinonia, our fellowship together. And then after that, we will then celebrate the Lord's Supper. Well, what ended up happening is the rich people with all the good food would sit at one table. All the poor people with crumbs would sit at another table. And they ended up getting into a situation where they weren't even sharing anymore. All of a sudden, it was just a class battle. It was now people coming to show off their clothes, show off their food, show off whatever they have. And it had nothing to do with the Lord's Supper. So the Apostle Paul says, you know, in the previous verse, we're not going to really look at it. He says, man... I would love to praise you for what you're doing, but I got nothing but criticism. And he said, "I'm going to tell you what the Lord suffers about." So he starts in verse 23 of this chapter 11 in First Corinthians, and he says, "I received this from the Lord, which I also delivered to you." Now, get it? He said, "Delivered." That's past tense. So, is this the first time they're hearing this? No. no. He said it over and over and over to him. He said, "This isn't the first time." How many of y'all have ever had to tell your kids more than once? Oh. How many of you have ever had the success of telling your kids once and they got it? Anybody have one testimony to that one? (laughs) Yeah, no, they were just playing you, bro. They didn't get it yet. No, But yeah, so Paul, like their spiritual father, is telling them over. He said, this is no new news. Now, you know, I didn't get this from the apostles. I didn't get this from those guys. I didn't get this from I got this stuff straight from the Lord. Remember when he knocked me down and we're going to be studying that in the book of Acts here coming up in the next few weeks. Man, Paul's salvation he said, man, when I was down for the count and God was teaching me stuff, I got this straight from the Lord. So there's no middleman to get this messed up. What I'm telling you is for real. He said, I received it from the Lord and I have delivered it over and over to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread And said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance for me now um, when Jesus did that again he was taking the Passover and he was transforming the the Jewish Passover into a new covenant um, celebration of what we have in Christ and what he was talking about he said take and eat this is my body now I know there are some religions. I grew up in one that believed that, and there was a transubstantiation going on, something going on where it actually was the body and blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that is not what we're serving here today. All right, uh, we have some crackers and, and some juice as far as that. What, what do we have? What kind of crackers do we have today, Laura? Oh, you want me you the actual crackers? Oh, the actual, are they oyster crackers? Are they bro? Did you just take saltines and like put them in your pocket and walk around and then dump them out? Now, they're saltines, man, but you didn't do the pocket thing, right? You just, you know, they, we got a, we got them on clearance where they were cracked up already. No, I'm just messing with you. The point I'm trying to make, guys, is what we actually use is not that important. But what it symbolizes is, you know, what, what it symbolizes is crucial. And as believers, if you've ever given your life to Jesus Christ and you know that he is your savior and he lives inside you in the form of his Holy Spirit, You are commanded to observe and celebrate the Lord's Supper because he wants us on a regular basis to look back and remember what he did for us. Look forward to him coming again and our home in heaven. And he wants us most more, most importantly, right now, while we're on this planet to look in and to judge ourselves, because if we judge ourselves, no one else has to. Right. And so that's why he's doing this. So Jesus on that night when he broke the bread. It wasn't that this is literally my body, you're eating flesh and you're eating my blood. Because you remember in John chapter six, one of the most uh, discouraging, the hardest verses in the whole Bible is John 666. And it interesting? it comes up that way. And it says after he said this, it was a hard thing. And all of his dis- many of his disciples left. And then he goes on and says, hey, Peter, hey, you guys, you guys going to leave, too? And Peter's like, dude, we gave up our business. Where are we going? (laughs) We're with you. Where are we going to go? We believe you're the Messiah. We just don't understand this hard stuff yet. Prior to that, what he had said, if you want to be my disciples, man, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, what would you guys do if all of a sudden I got up and said, hey, to be a disciple of Christ, you got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. You know, I mean, you're kind of getting that. You're like, man, I don't know what that means. What he's saying is, man, you've got to take all of me. You've got to let me encompass your whole life. You have got to have got to fully surrender yourselves to me. He wasn't talking about eating literal flesh and drinking literal blood. Somebody has you do that, that's a cult, folks, okay? All right, it's a cult, don't get involved with that. So in here, he's saying, man, my body's gonna be broken for you. I have came come to this earth I have lived a perfect, sinless life. I came from heaven, the riches of heaven, and I put on the rags of humanity. You know, again, we've used this illustration before. Uh, Milton, if you, you know, all of a sudden God came to you and said, I want you to save the cockroaches. (laughs) I want you to save the cockroaches. I love the cockroaches. Um, I, I care for the cockroaches. But Milton, in order to use you to save the cockroaches, you can't speak cockroach, can you? You can't even climb cockroach, can you? You can't do anything cockroaches can do for the most part. And, and, and plus you're not filled with that glue, right? No, I'm just saying it was a joke. But in order to save the cockroaches and communicate, you would have to become a what? Cockroach. A cockroach. And let me ask you a question. Oh, Joyce, would you become a cockroach? I saw your face. That's why I'm picking on you. Would you, if God said, I want you to save the cockroaches, and Joyce, I'm going to have to. I'm sending you only if you volunteer to become a cockroach. To now live and most of the cockroaches are going to reject you. They're not even going to accept you. They're not going to believe that what you did on the what you did in your sacrificial, you know, what's it, you know, raid bait, you know, is not is not going. You know, they're not even going to believe it's going to pay for your sins. But there are going to be a number of cockroaches that will believe and they'll be saved because you became a cockroach, lived a perfect cockroach life and died on their behalf. Would you do it? No. How about you, bro? Would you do it? No, (laughs) thank you for being honest, because there's some people that give me a sense. Oh, yes, I would do it. No, but you understand. I'm not making light of this, but Jesus going from being God in all his glory to becoming a man is less is more of a stretch than you becoming a cockroach. Does that make sense? How far God had to come, how far Jesus had to come to become a man And he didn't come as a king. He came as a man. And where was he born, guys? In a manger, in a feeding trough. He was born as the lowest standard socioeconomic status that you could have. He was born so that everyone could have access. And who were the first people to ever even see him? The The shepherds, which were the lowest social class. Their testimony in court was worth nothing because, because of who they were in society. So Dude, he didn't just come and be like, you know, okay, a high up man, he came to be the lowest. And I want you to understand what he's saying here is, my body's gonna be broke you. I came and I came from heaven, which is, which is a greater span than you becoming a cockroach. <laughs> but he had to become a man so that he could communicate with men and he could save men and be our sacrifice. And how about that, man, when, when at the end of his life, I mean, at the end of his life, when they put him through 60 legal trials after his friend, his disciple betrayed him. And then after those trials, they beat him to an inch of his life. I mean, it was only him and his power as God that could withstand all of that, you know, until he could be crucified and then give up his own life. I mean, he, man, you think about what he put up with. Kevin, how many times did somebody have to spit on you if you were God before you'd start throwing some lightning bolts, brother? One. Yeah. That's it. But you look at what they did to Christ, man. They spit on him. They made fun of him. How many of y'all lose it at making fun of you, man? You just, I just can't help. They made fun of me. It's like, yeah. Dude, if you go back and think of what he went through to be the sacrifice for you, man, what a phenomenal thing that is. And so on that same night, he said, this bread represents my body. Man, take, eat. And let me ask you a question. When you eat something, all right? How many, anybody here ever had bad oysters? Anybody ever have oysters, okay? Good oysters. Yeah. All right, good oysters. You've had good raw oysters, man. How many of y'all like oysters, man? Dude, pop them bad boys open and we used to have shuck them and suck them parties in St. Augustine when I was in college. And just pop them open and suck them, suck them down. They're good. Now, I love a good Apalachicola oyster, man. But let me ask you a question. How many of y'all ever had a bad oyster? Anybody besides me? You've had a bad oyster? Yeah, a dude. Hey, dude, I ate, I ate a half a bushel of bad oysters one time. know, yeah, I'm just one of them people that think, well, that one's bad. The next one's got to be good. <laughs> nope. Let me try the next one. Let me try. Dude. And I'm just going to tell you this. I lost 13 pounds in two days. <laughs> you want to talk about the original Slim Fast, but listen, what happened to me? I took that oyster, and what did I do with it? I ate it. And how many of you ever heard the saying, you are what you eat, right? Dude, you eat something, it becomes part of you. A bad oyster is a great example of that. <laughs> you know, you eat a bad oyster and you know you ate one. It, beca- it encompasses everything about you. <laughs> you know, just like a good little piece of chocolate. Man, you ever have a real good Bruno's chocolate? Yeah. You put that in your mouth and you're like, oh, oh yes. It changes everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Some of you, it's coffee, right? But that's what he's talking about. When you eat something, it becomes part of you. He's not saying eat flesh and drink blood. He's saying, man, whatever you know about me, whatever you experience about me, take it in and let it all as if you ate something. Let it just permeate every part of you. That's what he's talking about, man. What I did for you, man. He said, just appreciate it. Take it in. Use it as example. Take it as your sacrifice. This is my body is broken for you. And look at the next part. He says, do this in what? remembrance of me. Remembrance is looking back. back. So he says, every time you celebrate the Lord's supper, I want you to do it because I want you to look back. How many of you have ever lost? I'm not saying you're there now, but how many of you have ever lost the joy of your salvation? You remember what it's like when you were saved, man, you were like energizer, buddy., oh, you know, man, you were all over it and you lost the joy of your salvation. Man, the way you get it back is by looking back and thinking back and doing the things you did when you were first saved and you didn't have all the world permeating you. You know what baby brand new Christians are like, right? They've given their life to Christ. And man, that's all they know. And what do us old Christians sometimes say? Oh, just wait till they just realize and they get lukewarm just like us. Right? Hopefully not. Hopefully you're staying fresh, man, in all of that. But man... He says, what I want you to do is I want you to take time to look back. I want you to never forget, celebrate the Lord's Supper often enough to be able to look back and remember what he's done for me. Now, I want to throw this up to our life groups because, um, you know what? We have such a transient congregation. And even today, half of our congregation is on spring break. Our locals are gone right now. We never know who we're having. But, man, you know what I'd love to see, milk. I would love, and and, uh, Val and Carl, I'd love to see us do Lord's Supper in our life groups. Tom, Amy, man, let's have Lord's Supper in our life groups. Mac, let's have Lord's Supper. There's no rule saying when and when you you can and can't do it. Now, I have been in uh, churches where we've done it every week and it became a ritual. And it's never supposed to be a ritual. But then again, man, we're supposed to do this because, man, we're supposed to look back and remember what he's done for us. And all it takes is some saltines and some juice and some believers, you know, just some believers that want to look back and remember what he's done for you. And so we're going to do that in just a little bit. But before we do it, we're going to look at the part about looking forward. Go ahead. Next verse. He said in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this do as often as you drink it again. Help me out in looking back. But look at verse 26 for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death to what till he comes. comes. How many of you believe he's coming back? Dude, if he came back right now, how many of y'all would be stoked? Seriously, all right? Honestly, how many of y'all would be disappointed? Come on, some, a little bit, all right, somebody, yeah? I mean, Emily's made a big decision. Look, oh, dude, you're coming back. I was just going to college to teach people about you. No, it's like, no, dude. Man, that's part of what's happened in this world. We are so enamored with this world. We are so ingrained in this world that some of us would have a hard time with the idea that he's coming back. You know, oh, that's doomsday. Go get your sandwich sign and walk through New York wearing that. That's not, you know. No, man, we're supposed to be encouraging each other with the idea that he's coming back. That's supposed to be a good thing that he's coming back. Let me ask you a question here. What's your favorite part about heaven? Come on, somebody raise your hand and give it to me. Laura, I saw your hand go up. What's your favorite part about heaven? No more sin. Yeah, sin is the sin is is yeah, the curse, the result of the curse. Sin is is going against God, so there's only righteousness in heaven. What else? Go ahead, Laura. Peace. Peace. Yeah, dude. Peace. And there's nothing even to take peace away. Come on, somebody else, help me out. What's your favorite part about heaven, Ashley? The gates and all the precious stones. Oh my goodness. The gates, dude. You guys talking about oysters, man? You know those gates in heaven. How many gates are there, guys? Help me out. Two, four, six, eight gates, right, on, on each side. And the walls are 1,500 miles high, as best we can tell. And one gate is one pearl. And so each one of those eight gates that come are going to be an individual pearl. You want to talk about big old Apalachicola oysters, man. Imagine the oyster that came to make that pearl. And so, but the beautiful thing about those gates for me, and I think this is where you're going with this, is. You know, for a pearl to be made, what has to happen? There's an oyster and all of a sudden something, what, what happens, Gary? It gets a little, help me out, a little irritation in it, right? And that pearl, that oyster takes that irritation and starts secreting something around it to make it less irritable and, and, and less of an irritation. It secretes more and more and it takes that irritation and makes it into a beautiful pearl. Now, let me ask you a question, man. What was your greatest irritation to God? your sin. And God, through the blood of Christ, took your irritation and secreted the blood of Jesus all over it. He made it into the most beautiful pearl that we could ever match. So when I see those pearly gates, I'm going to think of how he took my ashes and made them into beauty. How he took my my sin and made them into something awesome, man. And um, yeah, for those pearly gates. And the stones. Dude, <coughs> Man, the precious jewels that all of the levels of of it, the cube are going to be made out of, all the foundations, and what makes uh, what makes a diamond kind of like have sparkle to it? Anybody know? Freshers. The light, the light, right? The light makes the sparkle when you put it up to the light. Well, inside heaven, what are we going to have some cube beams? Are we going to have birthday candles? No. What are we going to have? Who's going to bring the light? God is the light, the Shekinah glory of God is the light. So if you can imagine the most powerful, awesome light in heaven and it just bursting out in all directions with these precious jewels. Can you even imagine how beautiful that's going to be? Dude, that's where I get to live forever. (laughs) How about you? Man, and it's all because look what he said, because he shed his blood from day one. You guys remember Adam and Eve, right? You remember Adam and Eve? They sin, and when they sin, they tried to cover their sins. Hey, what did they use to cover their sins? You remember? Yeah, they tried to make it out of leaves, right? And I'm sure it was pretty stylish. You know, I don't know if it was fig leaves. I'm not sure, but it probably looked pretty good. But God said, no, 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 no. You can't cover your own sins. So what did he do? He killed an innocent animal, and he said, here, take these bloody skins and put these on. I want you to know that it's going to take blood to cover your sins. And from that point on, man, it's always been about the blood. The most prominent thing in the beautiful temple and the tabernacle with all the gold and the tapestry and the colors. It was all splattered with what? Blood, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And the priest man was always splattering blood, always making sacrifices, always Doing things and out of all of the furniture that is available in the tabernacle, there's one piece of furniture that's not in there that you guys are appreciating right now. What was that? A chair. A chair. A chair. Because the priest could never say, whoo, dude, I just took care of EJ's sin. I'm good now. You know, oh, Erica, come on, man. Another cat. The priest could never say I'm done and be finished. But Hebrews tells us, but this man, Jesus, made one final sacrifice. And then what did he do when he made that final sacrifice? Sat down. down. Why? Because there was no other sacrifice needing to be made. He sat down on the right hand of God the Father. And that's what he meant when he said, it's finished. He did it all right there. And that's what he's telling them the night before. I'm fixing to do it. All the blood from Adam and Eve all the way up to now. And it was Passover week. At the time he was being killed, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of innocent lambs were being shed. Their blood was being shed. They were being killed. And remember, so Passover, he said, no, no, I'm fixing to end all of this. He said, my blood is going to bring us into this new covenant. It's going to cover everybody's sins who has the desire and ability to have their sins covered. And when God gave you the desire and ability to surrender your life to Christ, he, God said, now what Jesus did on the cross will pay for your sins. And how long does he pay for them? How long are they paid for? Forever. forever. So you can't lose it. You don't have to renew it. You know, it didn't. It, man, it's forever. It can, ne- the deal never changes. It's the only thing we have that's this solid. If you surrender your life, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, Man, if God's given you the desire to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Christ, go for it. Is there anybody here that's done that that wish they hadn't? Can I see your hand? No, but how many of you wish that you would have done it sooner? Amen. Yeah. Do it. Quit believing the devil's lies. Surrender yourself to him. And that covers your sins. So he says, man, the bread and and this this juice. He said, man, you know what? My blood, body and blood, I want you to look back. And I want you to look forward. I want you to think of your home in heaven. Look at verse 26 again. He says, for as often as you eat and drink this cup. Okay, so he says, as often as you do this, look at the next part. He says, what you're doing is you are proclaiming. What does it mean to proclaim something? Terry, what does it mean to proclaim something? Announce it out loud. Announce it out loud, right. When we do it, the same way with baptism, When you get baptized and I take you under the water, that is announcing you believe that Jesus died and was buried. When I bring you back up, you are announcing that that you believe he has been raised from the dead. You believe you're you're announcing you're dying your old life as the boss and rising to live a new life with his power. But when we do the Lord's Supper, he says you are announcing that Jesus died, was buried, and risen, so he is going to come again. Hey, does anybody know what has to happen prophetically for Jesus to come back right now? Nothing. Nothing. He could come back right now. And, dude, that would be so awesome. So that's why we're supposed to be looking back, and we're supposed to be looking forward to our home in heaven. And, um, and we'll pick that up, that next part up, a little bit later. But I want you to go back to this little card. And in this, we start off with this gold color. And that gold color reminds me, reminds anybody, when you're sharing the gospel with them, that, they, that, that I have a home in where? Heaven, forever. But it wasn't always so. This black, this dark all around it represents the sin that kept me separated from God and kept me out of heaven. And there's nothing I could do to pay for it, short of dying and going to hell and paying for my sins forever myself. But this red represents the blood of Jesus that he shed on a cross And paid for my sins, and if I would accept that sacrifice, because God's given me the desire and ability to, and say, yes, I'm surrendering my life to you, that blood now covers my sin and gives me a home in heaven. And after we celebrate the first part of this Lord's Supper, we'll talk about the green and the next of this. So if we could, could um, uh, you guys go ahead, whoever is serving the Lord's Supper, and go ahead and... uh, I think we got Max Life Group here. Oh, you got it? You already designated it all out and everything? All right, cool. All right, so if you guys, what we're going to do here is um, I want you to, while they're getting it together, I want you to go ahead and um, I want you just to kind of just bow your head. I think just going to noodle on some music here a little bit. But I want you to think back to what Jesus has done for you, and I want you to look forward to your home in heaven of what that's going to be like. All right, so would you right now just kind of bow your heads and just kind of close your eyes and you get alone with God. and Take some time. Take some time to think back of what he's done for you. You know what your testimony is? It's where you were, where you are, and where you're going. So think about where you were when he found you. unless they're trying to serve you something, but I want you to think about this. We talk about it a lot, but 100 grains of sand, if each one of those grains represented, if each one of those grains represented a year of life, that little 100 grains would fit between your fingers. But eternity is not even close to all the rest of the sand on all the beaches in the universe. Think about where you're going. Think about how long you're going to be in paradise. Think about what he's actually given you. Ask him even to reveal. Say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what I'm supposed to be thinking about right now. Show me. Just tell him, say, God, I want to look back at what you did for me and I want to look forward to being with you forever. ask you to hold on to the juice for a minute but if you take the bread and um, he said in verse 24 again on the night before he was betrayed, he gave thanks he broke it and said take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me I want you to hang on to this cup for a second and I want to talk to you about this next part and um, while you're holding on to it But um, Ethan, can you take us down to the next verse, please? As I said, he said that whenever you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you're proclaiming to everybody the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's not a flippant thing. It's a pretty serious thing. It's, It's the salvation of the world. So the Apostle Paul now tells the Corinthian church in verse 27, he says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, turning it into a a, a love feast, turning it into some kind of party where, where the gospel's not proclaimed, he says, that's a serious offense. He said there's even consequences that come with that. And he says in verse 28, but let a man examine himself. Not let your neighbor look at you and judge you and point a finger, but he says, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. After he's examined himself, and so I don't know if part of your normal prayer life is asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you things in your life that are wrong, but it should be uh, something we should examine ourselves daily and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that's keeping me separated from you? What is it that I need to change? What is it that needs to be fixed? And, um, and, and God will let you know that. And, and you guys know God won't dump it all on you. I mean, we can't handle that. He only dumps a few things on us and says, this is what I want you to fix. How many of y'all are grateful that he doesn't dump it all on you? You know, everything that he's worked on for the last five years, the last year, the last whatever. Man, could you imagine if he even just dumped all that on you at once? He doesn't do that. Have the guts and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to fix so I can represent you better? And that's what it means when he says, examine yourself. That's what this is for. Not only look back at what he's done for you and looking forward to your home in heaven and then living however you want. He says, no, you're my representatives. In fact, in this green or in this uh, card we have, again, yellow represents we have a home in heaven. Black represents our sin that keeps us separated from God. Red represents the blood he shed on the cross to pay for our sins. But the green represents why he's left us here. He's left us here. It would have been so cool if he would have just, when I got saved, taken me to heaven, right? I mean, could he not? Could, how many of y'all could be happy in heaven right now? Anybody? Yeah, dude, we could all be happy in heaven, but what he's designed for us is he's designed for us to live on this earth and go through the same things other people go through, but only seeing it from his perspective and applying his grace to our life and having his supernatural power get us through it. And as he does that and makes those changes in our life, changing our desires, change, changing the situations, changing the way we, we see them. As we do that, we fall more in love with him because we see how much he cares for us and loves us. And as we fall more in love with him, we fall more in love with somebody else. So this green represents the fact that we grow more in love with him. And as we grow more in love with him, we grow more in love with each other. And that's why he left us here is to grow in love with him and others so we would share this. And so he says, in order to do that, man, you've got to examine yourself. You know, let me speak to you, let me, let me, let me, Use the word of God like that two-edged sword to get in those tightest crevices of your life and expose the things that, that you kind of hidden away and packed away nice and neat and, and tight that you don't want to deal with. Let me deal with those and make life better for you. When I can deal with those toughest things, you will grow more in love with me, and then you'll grow more in love with others. So he says you need to examine yourself and uh, as you uh, eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Verse 29, he says, Whoever eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so what he's saying is you participate in this and you don't look back. You don't look forward and you don't look in. You're basically spitting in God's face because he's the one who instituted this. Not me, not the church. He instituted this for this reason. You're looking at him saying, I don't need to do this. And he's like, oh, yes, you do. (laughs) I know you better than you know you. And. So he says, he says, man, you're you're asking for judgment. You don't go and tell me what you did. I'm just going to have to start revealing that to you. And, um, you know, I might be a little more merciful on you if you come and confess. Any of y'all ever have your kids confess and say, oh, mom, I did this. I, you know, how about when you found out that they broke that thing? You know, (laughs) there's a little bit of different atmosphere, isn't there? But God, he just wants to correct us. He wants us to represent him. Look at the next part. He says, for this reason, because people are flippantly just representing me, but not representing me. They're not judging themselves. He says, many are weak, physically weak, and they are sick among you, and many sleep. Hey, what does that word sleep in the New Testament mean? Die. You're here to represent God, and I'm not threatening you with anything because we have a merciful and loving God. But if you're here to represent him and he keeps working on you, he keeps trying to correct you, he keeps putting things in your path, trying to get you on the straight and narrow, and you will not listen to him, he brought you into this world and he can take you out. If you see, if you are representing him to people and not doing a great job, he can take you out. And I'm just telling you in my personal walk as a pastor of 23, 24 years, I've watched him take two people out. And it's a sad, sad thing. And I'm not saying that's happening to any of you, but what I'm saying is, is that, man, it's a consequence for not representing him correctly. And it's a serious thing that we should be doing when we judge ourselves. We shouldn't be just doing this at the Lord's Supper. We should be doing it all every day. Because look what he says. If we would judge ourselves, then what's the next part? Read that to me. We judge. Yeah. How many of y'all are, hey, don't judge me. Don't judge me. you ever said that? Don't judge me. Dude, if you judge yourself, you don't need to be judged. And that's what he's saying. When we're judged. He says, though, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And so when you do judge yourself and you come clean with God, sometimes there's a spanking that goes with it. As a kid, did you ever ask for a spanking from your parents? (laughs) Did you ever, you know, (laughs) Elaine, you're smiling. Did you ever ask for, Mom, I did this. Mom, I did this. this. Will you please spank me? Will you please put me on restriction? Will you please, like, take away my car? Will you please? No. No. It's not our nature, but God's saying we don't have a a human nature. We have a supernatural spiritual nature. And what he's saying is that God, he's saying, ask me what's wrong, and maybe I am going to have to put some correction there. I'm going to have to put a guardrail on that bridge. I'm going to have to put some kind of correction there that's going to hurt for a little bit. But the book of Hebrews talks about that it's a good thing to be spanked by God because God only spanks his children. You ain't been spanked by God. There's a good chance you might not be his kid. It's like the kid in Walmart throwing candy at the cashier and all of that. As much as I would like to spank that kid and straighten that kid out, it is not my responsibility. But it's mine if it's my kid. So don't be throwing nothing, Emily. (laughs) You know? So it's, it's a hard thing. He says we're supposed to celebrate the Lord's Supper. But at that time when we do it, we're supposed to say, God, reveal to me what i need to have changed in my life judge me and with that judgment sometimes there's correction because how many of you ever tried to quit something or change something and you just couldn't without consequences yeah you had all the best intentions in the world but without consequences you couldn't change well god knows what you need and he puts those consequences in your life so he's asking you right now to give him permission not that he needs it But he wants permission from you to say, God, do whatever it takes to make me more like you. So as Ashley kind of plays right now, I want you guys to um, think just for a second. And I want you to ask. I want you to have that prayer. I want you to say, God, do whatever it takes to make me more like you. And if you don't want to ask that prayer and say that, then say, God, give me the desire to let you do whatever it takes to be more like you. And ask him, what is it that you want to be different? That's what we're supposed to do. So right now, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. <laughs> say, God, do whatever it takes to make me more like you. And if you can't say that, say, God, give me the desire to allow you to do that. And if you dealt with that, now ask him. What is it that I need to have happen in my life to be more like you? Maybe something he wants you to do. Maybe something he wants you to stop doing. Maybe he wants you to just be faithful. I don't know what it is, but ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you. right? showed me something amen he showed me something
1: something needs to happen
0: told us in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me Father thank you for instituting the celebration of the Lord's Supper I am so grateful after studying the tabernacle from Genesis to Leviticus so far in our life groups that um we don't have to offer these sacrifices of animals and have to get checked out by the priest every day and, um, it's, and, and live such a laborious life that we have to take a Sunday off to just simply be able to recover from worshiping you. But instead of worshiping you and, and instead of resting at the end of six days, we get to celebrate the first day and then live the rest of the week in that celebration because of this new covenant. Jesus, we are so grateful for what you did for us. We could never pay for our own sins. Thank you for putting on the rags of humanity. Help us realize what that really means. uh, of How far of a stretch it was for you to come from being God in the glory of heaven with God the Father and God the the Holy Spirit and you being God the Son. And we don't even understand that, but we know it's true. And and from before there was ever even an earth created, you all lived in perfect harmony before there was ever man created. But in your love for me and each one of us individually, you decided to create an earth, you decided to create us, and you allowed us to have a choice because the only way we could truly show you that we love you is by obeying you and choosing to do things your way. If you made us like a robot, we could never choose you. So Father, I pray that we would choose you more than we did before we came here today. Father, because we would be grateful for what you have done in the past. Oh Jesus, we are so grateful for what we have in the future as we look forward to heaven. Um, I just pray you would fill our heads with what we know about heaven You'd fill our curiosity with the desire to search out your Bible, to realize that there's no more Satan, no more sin, no more suffering, um, no more security systems. There's there's no more problems. I will not be able to get in trouble again because my flesh nature will be gone. It won't be laborious. We won't get tired from working. In fact, you tell us we'll be up all the time and be so full of energy, being so stoked, sitting at your feet, learning and worshiping and finding out for eternity more and more things about you that just blow us away. Now, what it really means for you to be an infinite God. I can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. But we know from your word, it says that in our wildest imaginations, We can't even figure it out, but it's going to be awesome. And we're going to be with you forever. And I'm so grateful for that. So, Father, for this little teeny bit of time that you've left us here on this earth, I pray that we would represent you well. Help us daily to look in. And as daily, even many times a day, say, Father, how can I represent you better? Because you are love. And Jesus, you said that the way they'll recognize is by our love and loving people that are unlovable. And um, we need your Holy Spirit to allow us to be able to do that. because you tell us when we're filled with your spirit, we're full of love and peace and joy and gentleness and goodness and meekness and self-control, things that our flesh can't do on their own. So, Father, I just pray as believers that you would give us the desire and ability to represent you well on this planet so that when it is time for us to be plucked up and it is our time which you determine for us to go to heaven and be with you forever that when we first see you we hear those beautiful words that as believers, as Christ followers we're seeking and that is you looking down and saying well done good and faithful servant that's what we're seeking Father but to do that we need you to judge us. And Father, I pray you would give each of us the desire to ask you to do whatever it takes to help us represent you better. Know that it's for your glory and for our good. So Father, as pastor here, I'm telling you, asking you, begging you to please do whatever it takes to help us as a body of believers, to represent you to this lost and dying world. Father, everybody Jesus healed died, everybody fed died. It's only the people that received eternal life that are living in heaven forever. Father, there are so many people around us that need that eternal life. And you've left us here to be your ambassador, to share that with us. So, help us be faithful in doing that. Thank you again for instituting this to cause us to look back, to look forward, and to look in. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, help me out one more time. Everybody, got your hands ready Uh, for the Lord's Supper. He wants us to look, to look, and to look. And you know what? We are supposed to do this as a body of believers, but you know what? There's, I, I don't think there's any reason why you can't do this as a family. I don't think there's any reason why you can't do this as a small group. I can't think of any reason why you can't do it in your condo with a body of believers. If you are a believer, you're called to do this, to look back, to look forward, and to look in. So let's do it on a regular basis. Amen? All right. Amen. Well let's stand up and sing one more song. I know you guys rock this song every time we do it. So sing out. <laughs> Here we go. God gave me this illustration so hang in one more, uh, Pittsburgh Rob come on up here Terry come on up here and, and bring bring one of your kids right here man all right bring one of your kids here all right this illustration is why we should be grateful and what he expects out of us now Pittsburgh Rob you're pretty solid right here right you're uh, this guy's a truck all right so you're gonna be a truck right you were telling me what eighth grade you were 240 or something yeah, you're yeah dude right. <laughs> you still got it bro and uh, he's a truck well, Terry's a superhero, and introduce your little daughter right here. Who is this? This is Salma. All right, Salma. And uh, Salma's just walking around minding her own business, okay? So you're, you're sitting right there. Just go sit right there. Terry's a superhero. He's just looking for good things to do. And as Salma is just walking this way, there happens Pittsburgh. Rob, go back over there real quick, just for a second by the music stand, okay? And, and, and start chunging it, man. Nice and easy. Start chugging it. He is a truck. He is trucking full blast, and poor little Salma is there getting ready to get trucked, all right? Terry just looked at me. No, man, truck. Get ready, truck. But right as stop, 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 stop. Okay, slow motion, stop. Right as Salma's getting ready to get trucked, her superhero comes and knocks her out of the way.
1: But wait, 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 wait.
0: No, no. Okay, so what happens next is as he's knocking her out of the way, he gets trucked by the truck. You don't fall on the there you go follow so, me. Okay. All right. Great. So now what we've got, all right. So now what we've got, man, is. No, your truck, bro.
1: <laughs> if we had
0: time, we would grab an ambulance and we would drag him away, all right? Because he's down that far. And so, now, the truck is gone, it's hit and run, it's Florida, come on, man. <laughs> we don't even know what kind of license plate it had. But now, Salma comes and sees her superhero at the, at the hospital. And Salma says, man, thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Come on, to work it out. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Oh, and, and, and ask, is there anything I can do for you? Can I bring you some McDonald's to kill you the quicker? No. <laughs> can I bring you some McDonald's? Can I bring you some food? Say. Can I bring some food? Can I can I walk your dog and feed your dog while you're in the hospital? Can I walk your dog and feed your dog? Can, while you're can I give you like lots of money and get you a good uh, attorney? No. <laughs> All right, you get the picture. But the superhero looks up and the superhero says no. No. I just want you to tell others what I did for you. I just want you to tell others what I did for you. Would you have a problem doing that? He saved your life from getting trucked. And would you have any problem telling others what he did for you? No. Yeah. So you know what, man? That's what Christ did for us, folks. Dude, yeah. that's what Christ did. Every one of us was fixing to get trucked by the devil before we died. And our superhero, Jesus, came in and rescued us. And he doesn't want us to do all these other things, whatever. What he wants more than anything is he wants us to tell others what he did for us. Grab one of these cards and tell somebody. It's a simple way. Look for people to tell. This is not a cruise ship. This is a rescue ship. That's what the church is. Go out and rescue some folks. And and count on his power to do it. I love you guys, but not as much as Jesus does.